Hey, this is Dylan, and you're listening to Everybody Hurts, the podcast. Today's episode, Knight and Dame. History is filled with impressive firsts, those people who have defied the odds, blazed their own trail, and gone where no one had dared before. I'm thinking of Annie Edson Taylor, the first person to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel, and Amelia Earhart, the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. And we have with us uh, today on Everybody Hurts, someone who is in good company with those, uh, those pioneers, Dame Liz Johns. Knight of Sufferlandria, the first woman ever to complete a knighthood. Liz, thank you so much. I feel like I'm in the, the presence of royalty here. <laughs> Not at all. It's nice to speak to you, Dylan. Talk a little bit first about um, your your athletic background. I mean, for people that don't know you, I guess assume the first woman to complete the knighthood must be kind of this like completely ripped, sinewy, was born uh, running 50 kilometers a day kind of thing. So uh, is that uh, an accurate description? Well, No. Um, almost the opposite, really. Um, I'm. I was a very new cyclist when I started doing Sufferfest. Um, I think I, I started um, with one video, and it went from there. But yeah, I'm absolutely not the typical cyclist, and um, I think it's testament to the fact that anybody can be a Sufferlandrian if I can. So, what got you to the point where you thought that strapping yourself to a turbo trainer for ten hours for ten videos was something that uh, that sounded like a good idea? Um, actually, it was David McQuillan's fault. <laughs> I, uh, as, as are most things, I guess. <laughs> well, the whole thing is his fault. Um, I started doing Sufferfest, and uh, the year after I started, I happened to be um, down in Asia where he was living at the time, and I agreed to meet up with him for lunch. And he sat there and he said to me, so what are you going to do next? And I didn't really have an answer, so I said, oh, I'll do knighthood. <laughs> this sounded like a great idea. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> <laughs> Ten hours on, on a bicycle is a challenge for, for anyone, even, you know, an avid cyclist. So what kind of preparation? How did you take yourself to that, that place, preparation physically, but also mentally? Because I think for a lot of people, that's almost the more daunting aspect is, is the mental aspect of, of a challenge like that. It is. Um, physically, it was just a case of just doing as many as I could but I don't think I actually did a ride longer than about four hours <laughs> which is pretty rubbish um but I was riding indoors by myself I didn't I didn't know anybody that would, was a cyclist I didn't know anyone else to do anything with and um, what I had was my weekly sort of spin class buddies and I roped some of them in to do the attempts me on the day um and that all went really well psychologically um it was raising money for charity that did it for me. I couldn't have done it if I hadn't done that. I would have given up, I think. Um, but raising money for charity, I meant I was shameless. I asked everybody about 10 times to give me money. And I even made people pay to join me on the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of had a, bounce, a bouncer at the door and the velvet rope and just kind of, yeah, made yeah, them pay a cover. Come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was something I, I never thought I would be able to do it until I did it. And I think that's kind of something I was thinking about for our, for our talk today, is that everyone who thinks they can't do it, they absolutely can. 
you know, you do the best you can. And that is make what makes yourself a Landrian. So you think in terms of the, the mental preparation, having a motivation that was somewhat outside of yourself, like almost a, a higher a higher cause, a higher purpose, you think that was that was fairly instrumental in and being able to take yourself to that place and say, one more pedal stroke, one more video, one more interval. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I just knew, you know, halfway through, it was really starting to hurt and really starting to burn. You know, the Fabled Video 7 got me and I was barely functioning. But I was just like, I'm two thirds of the way through this. People are relying on me to do this. And if they do, they will give me money, which will help people get clean drinking water, which I'm just throwing down my neck at a vast rate of knots. Like, you know, I don't care. There are people that are trudging three or four miles to get dirty water to drink. Right. I, you know, get, get a hold of yourself, girl. In terms of the, the physical preparation, you said you did, you know, four-hour rides probably. But were you, were you concerned never having done something of, of, of that length? And also, being a trailblazer and, and being that pioneer, did you, did you feel like there was an additional uh, weight, an additional responsibility that was kind of placed on your shoulders because of that? Not at the time. Um, it was interesting because at the time, the Sufferfest was still quite a small community. It was, I think it was like 20,000 people maybe on Facebook. And it was kind of just a little thing that some people did. And I was, I was more interested in the fact I was going to be um, the fifth person to do it um, rather than the first woman. And I kind of thought that was quite cool. Um, yeah, but I think I was so taken up with the preparations with, you know, begging people for money and organizing the day and, you know, all the kit that went with all with the knighthood attempt to all the preparation. I didn't really stop to think about what I was actually doing physically until it was too late. Until it was too late and I was petting. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think that there mentally it was uh, easier to be in front of all those people? How, how different do you think it would have been had you opted to still raise money for charity, but maybe do it in the, in the relative discomfort of your own kind of torture chamber? I think it was amazing. I had, I had people come from the first video to the last video and everybody, whether they were riding with me or just kind of they'd done their ride and they'd hung around to watch or whether it was, you know, I had quite a crowd for the last few videos. I didn't realize until I sort of finished and looked around. There was about 10 or 15 people there all watching. Um, but yeah, it was great to have people there. They just spurred me on. I'm, I'm so in awe when I see those knights who do it at home, you know, just by themselves one fine day. It's just amazing. I couldn't have done it. Well, I don't think I could have done it. I, I applaud those who can. Well, I mean, I think the fact that you, you already have accomplished something that you didn't think you could do <laughs> <laughs> means that, that, that your limits are probably a, a lot broader than, than you give yourself uh, credit for. And how did that, how did that experience and, and going through that, how did that change your perception of yourself, but also your perception of, of what was possible in other aspects of your life, but also in, in terms of your fitness goals? It was amazing. I, I, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But the days after when I sat down and thought, oh, my God, I actually did it. I did that thing that I thought I couldn't do. It's amazing for your self-confidence. And, you know, again, I return to the point of, you know, anyone can do this, whether they do it, you know, as a novice cyclist or as a you know 30 year triathlon expert. It's going to be a struggle and you're struggling against yourself for a lot of that. So it's always going to yeah. be hard. Yeah, there's that that famous quote from I think Greg Lamont is like uh, it doesn't hurt any less. You just go faster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't matter your level of fitness. It's it's going to hurt regardless. But it just uh, it's just how you can go to that that place and mm. and get past it. That's what I tell my friends. You know, when they ask me, oh, I couldn't do that stuff of fasting you do. I'm like, you can. 
you do it to the best of your own ability. My ability is different to your ability. If you were able to have a conversation with yourself, say, say five years ago, um, would your, your past self be somewhat incredulous at, at what you've accomplished? Yeah. I don't think yeah. I would have had... It's not so much about the physical challenge, but I think the confidence in myself of, you know, just attempting something like that, I would have gone, no, no, you can't do that. No, it's not for you. Do you think it spurred you on to look at some, some additional uh, challenges? Has it... Are you moving the goalpost now, now that you've kind of ticked this, uh, this box? What's, what's next on the list? Nothing particularly exciting. I'm just happy doing my own little thing. I found out what I don't like. I found out what I do like. And that's kind of helped. You know, before I didn't know anything about cycling whatsoever. And now I know the kind of rides I like and the kind of terrain I like. And I go and do that. It makes me happy. I don't do the things I don't like. I do do the things I do like. And that's uh, probably a good lesson for, for life in, in general, <laughs> not just cycling. We should do the things we like. <laughs> and you completed that. I think it's it's important to note. I mean, this was, you know, less than two years after you had even turned a pedal. I mean, you, you had somewhat of an athletic background in, in university or and before, but like you said, you weren't a cyclist. So to go from hopping on a bike you know, just to, to have a spin indoors and then two years later to yeah. be doing a, a 10 uh, back-to-back suffer videos just seems to me to be uh, just amazing. And had you not had that, that goal, how do you think, how do you think your fitness would have, would have progressed or how different do you think you would be had you not done that knighthood? Cause I'm, I'm sure there are lots of people listening that have kind of toyed with the idea and think that, yeah, that might be okay to do it. But at the same time, they f- <laughs> it seems so daunting that they figure like, well, it can't be that transformative. I could, you know, maybe I'll just kind of uh, keep doing what I'm doing. I think that's it. You'd just be doing what you're doing. I probably would still be just doing, you know, a few suffer fests a week. You know, I probably wouldn't have changed anything. I probably wouldn't have found all those rides I like doing. I just, I wouldn't have changed anything. I would just still be doing the same old thing and expecting the same results from doing the same thing. I mean, I know how that works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isn't that the, the definition of insanity? <laughs> well, again, with yeah. this, it's not far off. <laughs> right, exactly. What kind of response have you gotten from, you know, the broader community of Sufferlandrians, but also in, in particular, I think the, um, the women Sufferlandrians, do you have like a kind of constant communication? Do you, do you feel like you've kind of been set up as a, um, as a mentor? I think kind of. I mean, a, a lot of people sort of out me as the first dame. But I don't tend to do it myself. I get I get it done to me. And I don't like to sort of rub people's faces in it. But um, I guess some of my fem- my fellow dames look to me as kind of blazing the trail, and they've come along and blazed it equally hard right behind me. And it's great that you know it's really great to see so many dames now. And I'm so pleased whenever we get new dames into the night stream, and I can welcome them and say, "Great, more dames," because cycling is such a male dominated sport, and it's just great to see so many women working so hard for something so difficult and achieving it so amazingly because there are well over uh a hundred it's amazing yeah you know it was five years four or five years that's incredible yeah yeah and it may be much more than that i know when last we spoke it was you know uh, a little over a hundred so i think it's it's probably well well above that and like you mentioned when when you first got interested in the Sufferfest and started doing the videos, the the community as we know it was kind of just a, a twinkle in, in Grunter's eye. So do you, how, 
how do you feel like your uh, the community helped? I mean, looking looking back to how it was, there was everyone was just, you know, every knighthood was just like a massive achievement, and everyone would like rise to their feet, like applaud you. And that still happens now. And you still see it on the planning pages where people are posting their events and they still get, you know, this amazing support every time. You know, people are riding with other people now, you know, continents apart from each other. They'll say, I'll come and ride with you. And that sort of community is amazing. And, you know, it has grown now to hundreds of thousands of people. And obviously a big group, it's it's a lot less kind of personal, but I still see the same names encouraging people. I still see the same men popping up and chatting. And, you know, I've made, you know, several direct friends out of office of landrians and other knights and dames and, and that's brilliant you know i've met up with several of them and you know it's awesome misery certainly does love company yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> any concrete uh recommendations i know there are lots of resources out there but for someone who's who's thinking about doing this what's the the best piece of advice that you can give them in order to to kind of dig into that that suffering to, to to find that person inside that that is just kind of uh, clawing and pedaling to get out just try it you know you're well i you know i funny enough i did revolve this morning and that's the very first video i ever did and I oh that's right <laughs> i didn't know what to expect right and you don't because you, you it's hard to explain what is it? it's a video but you're riding with the people and telling you what you know how does that all work but you just have to press play and just do it and see what happens and then do another one and see what happens to that and then do another one and keep going and before you know it you'll have favorite videos hated videos you know if i never see hell hath no fury again in my life i'll be more than happy <laughs> to give me downward spiral any day of the week <laughs> you know you certainly have been instrumental in in creating not just this community but also encouraging other people to find where their limits are and then push beyond that and i think i speak for for the entire community of suffer languages when i say thank you and i know you don't want to walk around with your um first dame cap on or anything like that but uh you know we as the community are, are incredibly proud and honored to um to call you the the first dame oh thank you that's very kind i'm i'm very proud and honored to be part of the community liz johns thank you so much for talking to us and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the parkours for the 2017 uh, Tour of Suffer Landry. Are you going to be joining us? I think I will be. Ah, it would not be a tour without you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Dylan. This has been Everybody Hurts, the podcast. Today's episode brought to you by Dame Liz's Pain Shakes. Available now in the molten food section of your local grocery. Dame Liz's Pain Shakes. The best dame pain shakes in Sufferlandria. Until next time, have I suffered today? <laughs> yes, more than you. 